right, so who here this morning could use a, a little work on their relationships? Yeah? I think if your hand's not up, you're probably lying, right? Who put the speaker in my way? <laughs> oh, um, for those that didn't hear, you know, God's not without, I, I guess, a sense of humor. I'm not, I, haven't fig- I haven't quite figured out what it is yet, but um, <laughs> for those who haven't heard, I... Uh, just a few days ago, lost uh, my grandma on my, um, my dad's side. And of course, he passed away a few years ago as well. Um, and uh, we're having the, you know, the funeral and everything today. And uh, my grandma put in her will that she wanted you know, me to do the service and for us to actually have a dinner here at our church afterwards, which is an honor because uh, she was 97 years old, lived a long, full life, 97 I think my grandpa was 98. They're just, I just think we're, we're just too darn hard-headed and stubborn to die. That's just, that's just what it is. Um, <laughs> but the ironic part is I know that a lot of you probably don't know this, and I'm not trying to air dirty laundry or whatnot, but just to give you a little bit of context in, in light of today's message and the series that we're starting on, um, I don't know what happened in my family. It was before I was born. And I'm sorry, Mom, I did just say, it's nothing personal. We, we all do things in life. But um, I, until I was 16, I actually didn't know my grandma uh, who had just passed away. Um, and she was my next door neighbor. Um, my aunt was also uh, lived across from us. And all that I knew is that those are the bad people I wasn't allowed to talk to. Wasn't allowed to look at them, wasn't allowed to talk to them. So I'd actually, I didn't know that they were my family at all. And then God has a just ironic, I don't know what it is, to start a message on healthy relationships. So we're going to the word of God, not for my personal experiences in life. And then this very day, I'm going to, to spend, it, my grandma wanted it to be a private um, viewing, a funeral, with only the Cromer side of the family, who I didn't even know them growing up. I went to school with them, I rode the bus with them, but I didn't know them. These are people I wasn't allowed to talk to or anything so I didn't know they were my family it's just it's just crazy that God is like putting all of this together and so I might be a mess this morning a little scattered so please forgive me right after the service is when the the funeral starts and just it's a little awkward too to put together a funeral service to honor somebody that you you just got to know you know in the last part of my life here you know she was a completely different woman even before I got to know her because she she (laughs) You know, I, I don't know if anybody else has situations like this in their family, but um, she kind of had kids in her younger age. And then my dad and my aunt came along way longer in life after the other kids were already grown. So, you know, she, she had a whole other almost family. I, I think, it, like, Ken just moved out when dad was born, right? Like, it was crazy, you know. They, they kind of had two different families all together. But anyways, my own personal self aside. We're going to be starting a, a new series this morning on how to build healthy relationships. Um, and again, we're going to what God says. I mean, he designed relationships, so that's who we're going to go to. A relationship is simply defined a connection, a connection between two people. Um, it can actually be, <laughs> by Webster Dictionary, a relationship can be between anything, you know. There's a relationship between the chair you're sitting on and the floor, you know. Praise God for gravity, right? There's, there's a relationship, but it's a connection. A relationship is when two people are connected. Now, just because two people are connected, that doesn't make it a good connection 
or a healthy relationship, does it? Anybody ever been in an unhealthy relationship when a connection to somebody was really bad, really hurt you, destroyed you, tore you down, tore you apart? You might be in one right here, right now. It's probably why God brought you here in this place. It's okay, because God is our, what does the sign say? Healer, restorer, right? He's, he's able to bring healing. For example, here's, here's an example. Um, when my hand is connected to this handle of this pan, that's a healthy connection, right? In fact, even when this pan is on the stove and it's red hot, it's still a healthy relationship, right? It's mutually beneficial. I can, I can you know flip my pancake and you know it cooks and I'm not hurt and everything's good. It's a healthy connection, a healthy relationship. But if this pan is on the stove and it's pretty hot and I make a connection with it, it's the same hand, same hand, same pan, but if I make a connection with it there, not a very healthy relationship, is it? It's going to hurt it's going to destroy me. It's going to kill me. All because I've made an unhealthy connection with it, right? And um, I sort of use this analogy. I don't know, uh, any of you married folk, do, does your spouse ever get red hot angry? A anyone? <laughs> that is not the time to go up and give them a big old bear hug and refuse to let go, is it? When your spouse is red hot angry with you, do not try it. I tried it with Becky once and I think I got hit. <laughs> like it's, it's not healthy. And the Bible teaches this. In Ecclesiastes chapter 3, we're taught that there is a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. Okay? Unhealthy connection. Now, if your spouse is heartbroken and at their end, definitely go up and give them that big bear hug and refuse to let go. Same people, same connection, but the context of that connection can either be healthy or unhealthy. And that's something that you learn through trial and error in relationships, isn't it? You learn when you just need to give a person some space and when you need to be there. Even if they don't want you to be there, they need you there. You, you, you learn how to have a healthy connection in that way. Um, it's the same people, same connection, same relationship, but just different circumstances. Different circumstances. Now, relationships can be hard, right? Very hard. Very hard. If you stop and think about just, and I encourage you to do this. Nate, your, your, your tanks and your game will wait, right? Um, <laughs> sorry. It's hard to be the pastor's kid. <laughs> I can tell by the swipes of those fingers whether he's reading scripture along with me, taking notes, or playing games. <laughs> but I want you to seriously stop and think about this. Think about the hardest time in your life when you've been hurt the most. Chances are that happened because you were connected with somebody. And either they did something awful and wicked to you, or you love them deeply and lost them. Chances are your deepest hurt happened through the context of a relationship because you were connected with somebody. And it was probably somebody you were close to. It was probably a spouse, a parent, a child, a friend, or, you know, 
even somebody you've invested a lot in. You have a relationship with even your employer. If you've ever been let go unexpectedly by an employer, that hurts deeply. That affects your entire life, your entire family. That's a relationship, and it can impact you in really bad ways. Now, if you stop and seriously take a minute here and think about the greatest day of your life, the most awesome day that you just fondly think back to and puts a smile on your face every time. That usually was in the context of a relationship as well, right? You know, for me, I mean, you know, the, the birth of my kids is just amazing. Just amazing watching a miracle of God take place, you know. Feeling Nate kick around in Becky's belly, you know. I mean, this is awesome, you know. He never sat still, and it was no different when he's out of the womb, you know. <laughs> their personalities, even from the womb, we knew what their personality was. Megan, she's stubborn from the beginning. Becky, she refused to spin. They had to, oh, man. And then, then when it came time to, to give birth, she refused to come. None of this, it just, you know. And she'd been stubborn from the beginning and still stubborn now. And it can be a good thing. Getting close to somebody and choosing to connect with them and to open your life up. Open your life up to them in a vulnerable way to be connected with them is so risky. Hugely risky. However, the risk of that connection can also come with some of the greatest rewards. Some of the greatest rewards in life. Um, and it makes you wonder what God was thinking, right? I mean, seriously. What was God thinking? Because he intentionally chose to make us very unique and different from one another. Very unique and different from one another. Now, some of us are more alike than others. Megan's been called a little Stephen, you know, whenever she gets stuck. <laughs> Bethany, you're next. You're coming. Just wait for it, right? Um, however, it's interesting. Think about it. Even identical twins who share, like, everything in common. Most of their DNA is the same. They shared a womb for Pete's sake. They were raised in the same environment from the same parents, went to the same school. I mean, they, they're brought up with the same values and everything. They still end up being very different from one another. It's crazy to think about. What was God thinking that we are so unique and so different? Because God did it on a purpose. And one of the main purposes for God is that we need each other. We need each other. We were designed intentionally and purposefully to need community and to need relationships with one another. You have abilities and strengths that I don't have. And I have abilities and strengths that you don't have. And we need one another, right? No matter how independent of a person you might be. If you decide to be a mountain man and go out in the middle of the, you know, the, the, the uh, Alaskan frontier and decide to, to you know, build your life, you still end up needing people at some point. You need it. In fact, there's, I, 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 I've been seeing a bunch of um, commercials for a series called Alone. I've never watched it. But it's just how tormented somebody is on their own. You like break. You fall apart. <laughs> and, and I could think about it. I'm like, whatever. I'd love being out in the middle of the woods nowhere. Like I was all boasting about it. And Becky's like, how many days have you spent alone? Alone. Not in contact with anybody. And I got to thinking about it. I don't think I've spent a single day in my life. 
I'm 40 years old. I've never been alone a single day. I've always had a contact with somebody. We don't realize that. You know, you think about it. But God had a purpose for it. It's because we're better together. Better together. We need one another. No matter how independent we may need be, we need relationships. We just need them. Our differences were intended to make us better together. God's intent was that we would complement one another. Right? Complement one another. It was purpose that we would live in community and harmony with one another. However, our differences seem to cause more friction, right? And irritation between one another than they do attract and connect us. Um, in fact, I, I know I've experienced this in my own relationship. Be- Becky, had to, they, they still made her work till noon today but um, uh, for some training. But, you know, even with my spouse, like, I don't know if you've experienced this yourself, but the things that she used to think were cute about me now drive her up a wall. Those little snide remarks that used to make her chuckle, now they just infuriate her, you know? (laughs) You notice that over time? Those things that are different about each other, where they're supposed to complement one another, you know? And we've seen that happen, too. When I'm down, she's strong. When when she's weak, I'm strong. We've seen the compliments happen. But we've also seen the friction take place, you know? When those differences was like... You know, it's called a calendar, okay? There's a time. There's a reason you had to be there at this time. You know, there's, there's a reason that, that your pers- opposites attract is what the cliche is, right? There's a purpose behind that. And it's so that you complement each other and make each other stronger together, not that you fall apart. So how do you get from this to healthy, connected, so that you don't become irritable and upset with each other because of your differences? Um, in fact, I love this. I, I'm sorry, I have to quote this. Paul said that this in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, and this is an awesome chapter all about marriage, okay? And so, husbands, it starts out talking about how your wife is not supposed to, uh, you know, just read it for yourself, okay? Unless you're praying. So I ask me, so you praying or what, huh? I mean, it, you know, you've been praying a lot the last couple of days, haven't you? <laughs> if you guys know 1 Corinthians 7, you know what I'm talking about. Read it if you don't. Anyways, um, in verse 28, he says, if you do marry... You have not sinned, but those who marry will face many troubles in this life. So there may be times when you are thinking you made a huge mistake marrying this bozo. You know, what was I thinking? What is happening? Paul said, it's all right. You may, have, you may feel like you sinned. You may feel like you did something wrong, but you haven't. That's marriage. That's two becoming one. And it is a messy, messy, beautiful thing. Two becoming one. Um... So what was God thinking? Why did he create us so uniquely, but yet have us need each other? I mean, it's just, it's, it's, I don't know if it's just a sixth sense of humor. It's just, it's a real paradox, right? You need each other because you're different, but you irritate each other because you're different. Well, God also knew what he was doing. And he gave us some tools to help make that connection healthy. He gave us a whole host of tools so that our relationships with each other, our connections with each other, whether it be a, a, you know, your coworker, whether it be a friend, whether it be your spouse, whether it be your children, uh, your parents, he gave us a whole host of tools to have healthy relationships. And that's what we're going to be learning about throughout this series. The very, um, you know, it, but of course, this first tool that we're going to look at just is interesting to me because... The first tool is actually one of the toughest ones. I mean, it's, it's better than, you know, the, uh, if, if, I don't know, does anybody here use snap-on tools? I, I see that truck rolling by and I'm like, whew, 
That's a fortune sitting there. Forget about the Brinks truck, the Snap-on truck. That's where the money's at, right? Better than any craftsman or Snap-on tool, this tool that God has given us endures all things. I've snapped a lot of wrenches off, you know. I've snapped a lot of wrenches off, but, but this tool that God has given us will never, ever break. It can, nothing at all can stand against it, and it lasts forever. You don't need to hang on to that receipt to exchange it when it busts. It lasts forever. It will never, ever break. It is resilient and strong and durable, but it doesn't have a very masculine reputation. That's what... I think it's a tool of the enemy. The enemy wants you to think about this and want nothing to do with it because it's one of the strongest tools and the most important tools you need to have a healthy relationship, and that is love. Love. You know, we, it just has such a feminine connotation, and really God's love is nothing like that at all. To express God's love, God's love, is to fully satisfy everything that God's word expects you. You can take this entire book, and Jesus himself said, just take it all, and I'll summarize it up in one word. Love. <laughs> love God with your everything. Love others as you love yourself. Love. Love fulfills the law. In fact, John wrote that, right? It is to live this life to its absolute fullest. It's to make the most of every relationship so that they're beneficial. God's word teaches us that of the three things that will last forever, which are three things last forever, 1 Corinthians 13. Faith, hope, and love. What is the greatest one? Love. Lasts forever. Faith, hope, love. But the greatest one that's going to last forever and ever and ever, even into eternity, is love. In fact, God is what? <laughs> See what he did there? Because <laughs> I am love. I last forever, yeah. <laughs> I never fail, I, you know, yeah, he, he is love. Now, in our culture and in our English language, love can mean a whole host of different things, all right? Love is an emotion. It's, it's mushy, um, you know, and in our culture, love is lust or sex, right? Uh, and it's, it's, a, it's a way, um, and of course, love is way, way more than just really, really liking something. We say that, right? Like, you know, I love me some sheets or some Arby's and, you know... That's not love. That's just really liking something. God's love is way more than all of those things. In fact, you probably heard it before. It's a Greek word, agape. We have one word in our English language, and in the Greek and in the Hebrew, there's several words that describe different types of love depending on the context, right? Context of love, the connection, the different connection you have. There's different types of love. English language, again, let us down, screwed us up. We only have one word, so... We're talking about God's love today. In our culture, the gauge to measure love varies from love to hate, right? I either love someone or I hate them, or I love something or I hate it. You know, that's, that, that, and, and you, with everything, every connection in life, you fall somewhere between love and hate, right? You know, you, you kind of love it or you're kind of neutral about it. There's, there's a whole range. But God's measure of love goes from selfishness to selflessness. Agape love literally is just selflessness. To love and to not love. In fact, the Bible teaches us that in the end days, the love of many will grow cold, right? And how does it grow cold? They become selfish. They think about themselves, right? 
God's love cannot exist. Think about this. God's love cannot exist outside of relationship. It's impossible. God is love, right? And God is Father, Son, Spirit. Even God himself before the creation of all things, God is love. God existed in relationship. Love cannot exist outside of relationship. I can't love anybody can't love period without somebody i guess that's that's what i'm trying to say you need a connection you have to have a connection to express love god's love is to voluntarily choose to voluntarily choose to serve the needs of somebody else to selflessly serve the needs of somebody else now as a word of caution before we go further as a word of caution to express god's love is a voluntary choice it is not an abusive relationship. And I had to work hard to find a picture of a woman slapping a man. Why is it that we're always the bad guys and abusers in relationships? You, you've seen some of the women in this community, man. I'm scared of them. You know? <laughs> Sorry, I just had to throw something in there. <laughs> Love requires a voluntary choice. If someone is forcing you to serve them and to serve their needs, that's not love. That's abuse. That's abuse. God talked about it often. What did he call it? What did he call it? He, he called, um, uh, what, what's the fancy churchy word for when you're cheating on somebody? Um, all through Revelation and all through the, the Old Testament, God said this. You're, he's like, you're cheating on me. You know, adultery, adultery. You know, God, he, he made the direct co correlation in that relationship, you're cheating on God, abusing him. How many times have we abused our relationship with God? My goodness. An abusive relationship is one that we need to flee from. Flee from. And if you're in an abusive relationship, let me know. We can help you to flee from that and to keep you safe. <sighs> Think about that connection with the hot pan. That's how fast you need to get out of that thing. As fast as you would get your hand out of that pan, that's how fast you need to break the connection with that relationship. To express God's love is not to choose to receive abuse. It is a choice to serve, right? Okay? So the greatest example of how to love someone is Jesus, right? He took a heaping of abuse from us, didn't he? He chose to completely empty his life out. Not just on the cross. Look at the life he lived. He walked around not thinking about his own needs, but serving people, reaching out to ones that no one else wanted a connection with. And he connected with them, and he released healing and deliverance to them. Think about that. He did the same for us, right? But of course, the cross is a prime example, as he was totally sinless. He did nothing wrong, and yet he became wrong. He became cursed so he could be blessed. He died so that we can live. Prime example of a relation of a, of a healthy, healthy relationship, right, is to choose to lay down your life. That's the love of God. Um, we were wrong and he was right. Did you know that, here's a, here's a little relationship tip. If you take nothing away this morning, take this away. Being right doesn't make you righteous, right? <laughs> Jesus could have sat on his throne in heaven with his arms crossed and been like, you losers. Y'all going to hell, you know? Jesus was righteous, and he never ceased being righteous when he paid the price for sin, as if though he was a sinner. 
Sometimes making a relationship right, how, what's the cliche? It means eat, eat some crow, right? <laughs> right? Become wrong to make the relationship right. That's hard to do. I'll tell you what, aside from the grace of God, the mercy of God, the love of God, I don't think I could do it. I don't think, because ask Becky, man, I'm a prideful, arrogant person. When I think I'm right, you're not going to convince me. And even when I'm wrong, they made me do it. It was because of this, you know. (laughs) She has her hands full. Anyways, Romans chapter 5, verse 6 through 8 explains it this way. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely would anyone die for a righteous person. Though for a good person, some might possibly dare to die. But God, God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The most powerful demonstration of the love of God was the life of Jesus and the death and uh, on the cross, right? The Bible also says it this way. This is how we know what love is. Just Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to also lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Just do what he did. He did it for you, now you go do it for other people. Freely you've received, freely give. This is the love of God. Following Jesus' examples, we love others the way that he loved us. So just stop for a moment again and think. <laughs> you be doing a lot of thinking here. When is the last time that you inconvenienced yourself solely for the benefit of somebody else? When's the last time you actually loved somebody? Not mutually beneficial. You did something for them because, you know, they did something for you or, you know, they will do something for you in the future. When's the last time you laid down your life to do something for somebody who could give you nothing in return? When's the last time you loved somebody? And that's a painful thought, in all honesty. Painful thought for some. God's love goes way beyond even this. You may have had a hard time thinking of that. Listen to the extreme love of God that he has commanded us to have. Matthew chapter 5, verse 43 to 48. You've heard it, the, and this is from the New uh, Living Translation, You have heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Now, if you notice, love your neighbors in quotes. That's a quote from the Old Testament. But guess what man-made religious tradition does? Takes the word of God and just nibs a little something else on there, right? And hate your enemy. You won't find that in the Old Testament law. You won't find it there. But that's what they were teaching the law to say. Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Jesus said, but I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. (laughs) Some people just rub me the wrong way. They know the buttons to push. And you're supposed to love them. Because they push them on purpose. They want to rile you up. They hate you. They spread gossip about you. They lie about you. They slander you. Jesus said, love them. Love them. Lay down your life for them. Jesus said in verse 45, if you do that in that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. Because think about what God does. Last time I checked, the sun, it gives sunlight to everybody. You don't see those nasty, wicked people walking around in a cloud, right, in the shadows. No, he gives them sun. He gives them food. He gives them breath. 
God gives them everything they need. Even though they use that breath to curse him, to deny he exists, God still gives them breath. If you want to act like God, if you want to be like Jesus, WWJD, right? Back in the, as a 90s kid, remember New Hope Assembly of God bought me a big shirt that said that, WWJD. Susie, she's back in the class, right? She, she picked it out for us, you know, so we could be witnesses. That's the way that you act like your father. He gives sunlight to the good and evil. He sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt people do that much. If you're kind only to your friends, how are you different from anybody else? Even pagans do that. But you, you are to be perfect, even as your father in heaven is perfect. Other translations say holy, be holy as your father in heaven is holy. It's one thing to inconvenience yourself to benefit somebody in need. It's one thing to do that. They're broke, they got no money, their water shut off, they need water they need food it's one thing to meet those needs it's another thing as we taught nate to do and man this was tough you know, it's another thing to take your bully that just came up and needs you in the crotch and hates you to take him a little debbie snack and to bless him you know remember that breaks something in a bully though when you serve someone and you bless them even when they don't have a need and they're your enemy and they hate you Man, does that mess with their heads. The Bible says it heaps uh, coals on their heads, right? Think about that. That is how you be a true child of God. It's extreme. It's an extreme love. And it can only be done through the love of God. There is no way we can love people that way on our own. And again, not if they're abusing you, okay? There's a big difference. Big difference. After we've received the love of God into our lives, however, we are empowered to love one another, empowered to love one another in a new way. When our relationship is right with God, our relationship with others can be made right as well. The love of God isn't some mushy emotion. It's powerful. It's strong. It's an unstoppable force. I've read so many testimonies from the persecuted church. I shared it before, and I always go back to this testimony, but it has just torn my soul apart. This woman is thrown in this storage container out in the hot, you know, she's given nothing to eat or drink. Once a day, her abusers come in to kick and to beat her and to try to get her to curse God. And you know what she does? She says, I love you. That's all she does every day. And then she's back in uh, day after day after day. You cannot stop love. You cannot stop the love of God. I mean, you can't get to be in a more extreme case than that. Someone has this, this poor Christian locked up, beating, abusing them. And all she has to do is deny Jesus and she'll be set free and healed and all that. But no, she refuses to deny Jesus. She just keeps on loving them and all it does is makes them hate her more and more. You can't stop the love of God. That is not a mushy, emotional kind of love, right? That's, man, that, whew, that's the love of God. That's the love that you have had poured out into your life. That is the love that you've been empowered and commanded to express to others as well. Loving God and loving others with this kind of love is a life transformation. And that's all that God asks of us. Just love. Just love. Romans chapter 12, verse 9 through 12. Love must be sincere. Hate what's evil. Cling to what's good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. <laughs> 
honor that boss at work whenever they keep dishonoring you and lying about you and mistreating you and go the extra mile like, Ooh, i've done it before it's not easy but do it honor them above yourselves never be lacking in zeal but keep your spiritual fervor Whew. we gotta be connected to god to be able to connect to others this way right serve that's what you're doing when you, when you do this, you're serving the Lord. When you serve others and you love others, you're serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Do everything in love. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. If you really keep the royal law found in scripture, love your neighbors yourself, you're doing right. Dear children, let us not love with words, with speech, but with actions and truth. How many people have said they love you and they didn't really love you? As soon as you stop benefiting them, pff, you're kicked to the curb, right? Don't love with just words. Love with action and truth. You, my brothers and sisters, are called to be freedom, right? We're free. But don't use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. First Corinthians 13, go ahead and turn there. We're going to go there. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but I do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy... If I can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, if I have faith that can move mountains, but I do not have love, I'm nothing. Spiritual gifts without a connection to the love of God so that you're pouring out the love of God through spiritual gifts are meaningless. They amount to nothing. They're a waste of time. If I give all that I possess to the poor, if I give my body over to hardship that I might boast, but I do not have love, I gain nothing oh trust me that could go on and on and on and on and on and on these are just a few of the verses that call us to love to love to love to love but what does god's love look and act like continue in first corinthians 13 you hear this at weddings you may have it posted above your sofa on the wall of your living room or your bedroom right this is the love of god and this is not a mushy gushy feeling emotion this is hard this is a hard love, but this is what the love of God looks like. This is what your love for others should look like as well. It should be patient and kind. You shouldn't envy others. You shouldn't boast about yourself. It's not proud. It doesn't dishonor others, right? We just read that earlier. Honor one another above yourselves. It doesn't dishonor other people. Yeah, other people might be boneheads and may have sinned against you. We're going to talk about that in a minute in a fun way. So hang in there. You honor them. It's not self-seeking. Remember the, the, the biblical weight of love? Selfishness to selflessness. God's love is not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. I, I guess I'm out there, right? Anybody else easily angered? Anybody else irritable in life? Okay, yeah. You're not loving people the way God wants you to love them. It keeps no record of wrongs. Oh my goodness. But God, do you know what they did? Oh my goodness, is anybody else's spouse, uh, I'm stealing this joke by the way, become historical whenever you're in an argument? Not hysterical, historical. They bring everything back up, right, you know? <laughs> Woo, love keeps no record of wrongs. It's hard to get historical if you ain't got a record of it, right? Love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices with the truth. But oh man, this is the cool part of the love of God. It always protects it always, whew, ugh. I, I'm okay with the protecting people, you know, thing, but I've been let down by a lot of people. A lot of people sitting in the sanctuaries told me they were going to do something they didn't, and I'm still waiting on it to get done. 
But love always trusts. Always trust people. That's a hard thing to do, isn't it? <sighs> always hopes. Sharon, Sharon challenges us with that one this morning, right? Hope again. Always perseveres. Because that's what you got to do to do these. <laughs> to trust, to hope, to protect, you got to persevere through a lot of stuff. But love never fails. Love never, ever fails. Think about how differently our relationships would look like if in our relationships with others we looked like this. You'd get that promotion at work, pretty sure. <laughs> your relationship with your spouse would be pretty awesome. Your kids, they'd probably love you a little bit more too, right? Man, that is a tall order though. There's a lot there. Every single one of those pieces, just being patient, it's hard. Do you know what God wanted to show us through this? You can't. You cannot love others. You can't love God. God's perfect. He's never done you wrong a single day of your life. And you can't even love him this way. You can't. You need his love. You're, you need to give to others what is his, not what is yours. What is right, not what is left over, right? The first fruits. You can't do it on your own. You need him. You can only love other people this way by receiving his love. God's love is a protective covering for us. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Multitude of sins. And so, Bethany, come on up here. You thought I forgot about that? I don't think so. <laughs> okay, so... You know what sins are, right? You ever read the Bible? You know some things that are wrong? Think about a way that you've been sinned against recently. Sinned against. And I want you to come up here and write that sin on this board, okay? Or just come up with one. I'm sorry, you look bewildered. Or is it that they're here and they're going to know who it was? I'm Yeah, it's a Sharpie. Huh? Sure, write it big. Okay. So she's been lied to, is what she wrote. Okay. Sin. Is sin something we can deal with on our own? But say that person felt really, really bad that they lied to you. Okay, say they, they tried to take care of that. Maybe you just need to press into that relationship. Push harder. Is it going away? But what if you really like that person and you just, you forgive them? You, you just choose you forgave them. That's your eraser. Does it go away? No. What can wash away our sin? <laughs> what can make us whole again? <laughs> What can wash away other people's sins toward us? Love covers a multitude of sins. There is nothing that we can do on our own. There's nothing we can do to get rid of this on our own. But the blood of Jesus, the love of God, covers a multitude of sin, right? Right? Now, does the love of God excuse it away and say, you know what? 
it, you know, they, it's just a little white lie. It's not that big of a deal. You just need to let it go. Stop being so hard on that person. No, God, when he covers our sin, he covers it when we call it out, when we confess our sin. Sometimes he draws it out. God's like, you know what? You were lied to, right? And it was hurt, and it was painful, and it was wrong, right? We're supposed to be honest to each other. Now, I know you in the back couldn't see that at first. What happens when God starts to cover our sin? Are you starting to see it now? See, sometimes I think we are not so quick to go to God because we don't realize the depth of our sin. We forget the cost that was paid for our sin. We run into sin so quickly because we forget the price of sin, right? Bethany was lied to in a relationship. It was a sin, and God said it was wrong. He calls it out. He calls it what it is. Love rejoices in truth. You don't shove it under the rug. That's not loving people, right? You confront it. You deal with it. But when the love of God, when the blood of Christ is applied to it, then all of a sudden, same thing, what can wash away our sin? Though our sin was as red as scarlet, it is now as white as snow. God gave us these really stupid, simple tools to show sin is permanent. The penalty of sin is death. But you don't have to die in your sin. Jesus paid the price. He died so that you might live. And he didn't just die so that you can be forgiven and set free. He died so that the sins that are sinned against you can also be covered by the blood. So that you can be healed and restored. Now, did that person do anything to make that right? Did they even apologize to you? Did they even know they did it? Yeah, but yet, when you take it to God, it has nothing to do with that other person. It can be forgiven, washed clean. It has no hold on you anymore. The penalty of sin is death, but where, O oh, death, is your sting? It's been covered by the blood of Jesus. You can walk in life a free person, free to love even your enemies through the blood of Christ. It's possible. We can do it. We can do it, right? Okay, now we barely even scratched the surface of the love of God. And that's just the first tool of many that we're going to go over in this series. But really consider what the love of God can do for you if you just receive it and apply it. You see, I... I could have held on to this. I've got it. I received it, right? You've got to apply it as well. Apply it in life. So I am sure while you're sitting here this morning, some serious hurts came to mind. Some serious wounds. I already confessed this morning the things that I am facing today. Spending the day with family that I didn't even know was my family for a long time. 
Not even sure how to deal with all of this. It's still a mess. But the love of God, the blood of Christ, can cover it all. Now I have a relationship with those people. And now my mom's been forgiven. She's a brand new person in Christ, right? Been forgiven of all those things. The past is the past. It cannot be changed. Okay? God will not take back what that person did to you. God will not take back what you did to another person. In fact, God may call it out. But if you let God call it out, God is calling it out not to shame you and condemn you. God's conviction of sin is so that he can wash it away so that you don't have to carry it anymore, so it doesn't blemish you anymore, so that you can be as white as snow, righteous, righteous, not just in his sight, but in the sight of others. Apply the blood of Christ this morning. So Jesus, we thank you for loving us when we were so unlovable, for shedding your blood on the cross to cover my sin. Past, present, and future, Lord. You knew it all and you still willingly took on the cross because you loved me. Jesus, forgive me of all my sin. Right now I apply the blood of Christ. Cover all my sin, all of my past. That person I used to be, cover it. Wash me white as snow because only... Only your blood can do it. And help me, Jesus, to radically and extremely love others the way you just loved me. Help me, Jesus, to love people with your love that is patient and kind, that forgives, that doesn't hold on to records of wrongs. Help me in all of my connections with others, in all of my relationships with others, to keep them healthy by keeping your love on toward them all. Being quick to forgive, quick to apply the blood, and to walk this life in freedom. Choosing to humble myself and to serve the needs of others, even my enemies. Help me to love with your love the way that you love them. That even when they're spitting in your face, punching you on the cheek, calling you names... You didn't open your mouth to defend yourself because you had a defender in heaven. Jesus, you are our defender in heaven. You know what they do is wrong. But you defend me and your love covers me. So help me to do the same in your name. Amen. Amen. And let me tell you, if you get this one right in your life, you never need to hear another preaching the rest of your days. You've got it. You're doing it all. Hard, hard teaching. But Jesus set the example. He's only asking you to do what he's already done for you, right? All right. Get out there and have some fun with this tough, strong, enduring love of God. Amen?